Zach, please stand as we prepare to read from God's Word this morning. If you would, please open up your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 55. Isaiah chapter 55, I'll be reading verses 1 through 11, so follow along as I read verses 1 through 11. Again, Pastor Chris is preaching on the message series, The Invitation. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy, and eat. Yes, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for what is not bread, and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me, and eat what is good. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear, and come to me. Here, and your soul shall live, and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David. Indeed, I have given him as a witness to the people, a leader and commander for the people. Surely you shall call a nation you do not know, and nations who do not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel. For he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord. And he will have mercy on him. And to our God. For he will abundantly pardon For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain comes down, and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Bow your heads and pray with me, please, this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, how powerful it is, how there's nothing accidental in it. It's so purposeful, Father. Everything in this word that we have in our hands is what you have said to us, Lord, for specific reasons in our lives and how blessed we are to have your very word in our hands. It is a miracle to have it. I'm so grateful, Father, for this opportunity and this message this morning as Pastor Chris preaches on the invitation But, Lord, you have made an incredible invitation to us to come and to follow you, Father. You have made a way for us to be restored with you in the sinful condition that we all are. Lord, you are willing to forgive us of those sins if we simply would believe in you, Jesus. So I pray, Father, that you would just speak through Pastor Chris this morning. May your power, may your spirit be upon him. And may we be a body in this church that hears and is receptive to this. And maybe there are those this morning that have not made a decision to accept this invitation. I pray this morning would be that morning they would do that, Father. We thank you for what you have for us this morning. In your name, amen.
invitations can have a powerful, powerful impact on our lives. Mrs. Jones was reading a letter at breakfast. Suddenly, she looked suspiciously at her husband. Henry, she said, I've just received a letter from Mother saying she is not accepting our invitation to come and stay since we do not appear to really want her. What does she mean by that? I told you to write and say that she was to come at her own convenience. You did write her, didn't you? Yes, I did, dear, said the husband, but I couldn't spell convenience, so I wrote, come at your own risk. <laughs> Invitations have a powerful impact on our lives, and I'm sure you have experienced invitations that have impacted you. I can still remember the power of the very first invitation I ever received from a family who was a Bible-believing family that was uh, outreach-oriented in their walk with Jesus and being invited into that environment to experience the love of Christ in a home. I can still remember the power of the very first invitation to attend a service at this church, the very first Bible-teaching, gospel-preaching church I had ever attended, though I had been at church every Sunday for the first 17 years of my life. I, I can still remember the power of the invitation to receive Christ at this church from this very pulpit as Pastor Tyrone on Sunday, August 19, 1979, extended the invitation that we're talking about in this series, the gospel. 34 years later, I am still impacted by the power of that invitation. And I'm sure it's not just me. In fact, I believe everyone that's here this morning is here because of an impact of an invitation. An invitation to become someone's friend. An invitation to come to a church, to this church or, or to another church. And now he has led you to this church. An invitation to join a small group. An invitation to Easter like we just extended to our community and many of you extended to your friends. An invitation to read the Bible, maybe, for the first time. I, I remember that invitation that was extended to me. An invitation to maybe study the Bible together, as I know some of you are doing with people at work. An invitation to come to Christ, forsake your sins, and return to the Lord, as we heard from Isaiah last week. You see, that's what this series messages, and that's what Isaiah 55, where Randy just read, that's what it's all about, the power of the invitation from God to us. In the previous message, messages, which you can always download and get the notes at glenwoodconnection.org, we've seen that this invitation from God to all peoples is an invitation too good to refuse, an invitation too urgent to delay. But this morning, we're faced with a very simple but vital question, and the question is this. How does God fulfill His invitation to all people? How does this invitation take place? What is behind it? And here's the simple answer. God fulfills His invitation to all people by the power of His spoken and written word. By the power of His spoken and written word. The last two verses that Randy read there in Isaiah, verses 10 and 11, look at them again in your Bible. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud, 
that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. As one Bible teacher said about these two verses, they are like a booster rocket underneath the payload of the previous verses. These two verses in the word picture of the power of rain falling, of seeds sprouting, of crops growing, of harvest reaping, of bread eating, and of seed sowing are all meant to teach us one clear, simple truth this morning. The power of God's invitation to all people is in His Word. It's in His Word. God uses His Word spoken, written, and preached, and taught, and shared in the workplace to fulfill His purposes. How does the invitation that's too good to refuse, how is that fulfilled in verses 1 through 5 by the spoken and written Word? How does God fulfill the invitation that's too urgent to delay? How does He draw near those so they can call on Him? How does He enable those who seek Him to find Him by His spoken and written word? How does God fulfill His promise to all people in all nations to be a nation who are not a nation, to be a people who are not His people by His spoken and written word? So this morning I want us to see one very clear truth and answer one very difficult question. The clear truth is this. God's word's too powerful to resist. The difficult question is, if God's word's too powerful to resist, then why does it seem like so many people are resisting it? Well, let's start with the clear and the easier one first. Let me show you just how powerful God's word is from these two verses. These two verses are one sentence. And this one sentence very clearly shows three ways in which God's word is so powerful it cannot be resisted. The first way is this. God's word spans the distance between him and us. God's word spans the distance between him and us. We see in verses 8 and 9. Look at the two verses before these, the, the, the two that we're looking at. Look at verses 8 and 9. We see there that there's a vast difference a vast distance, a huge separation, an unbridgeable gap between God and us. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, said the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Listen, if God doesn't speak and reveal His thoughts to us, Through his spoken word, we will never know them. We can't reach up high enough. He has to come down from heaven and speak to us. Why is the gap between us and God so big? Pastor Bruce alluded to this last week. The reason is God's holiness is far greater than we could ever imagine. Our sinfulness is far worse than we could imagine. And God's forgiveness that links the two is far better than we could ever come up with. You see, God's word spoken by His mouth, carried by His Spirit, incarnated in His Son, shared by His people, spans the distance between God's thoughts and our thoughts. Between God's holiness and our sinfulness. 
between the hardness of our hearts and the tenderness of his forgiveness. Jesus Christ is God's final word and all-sufficient word to bridge the distance between God and us. Listen to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, Isaiah being one of them. But in these last days, the days since Jesus has come, In these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. John, in John 1.1, makes this very clear. Here's the first verse of John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Verse 14 of that same chapter, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. See, Jesus is God's Word come down from heaven to make clear to us the words and the will of God. You see, Jesus spans the distance between Himself and us so that we can come near to God through His Word. Jesus is the Word who is God, and wherever the Word of God is written, wherever it's read, wherever it's heard, Christ is there to fulfill His invitation to all who will seek Him. Now, this is why we as a church recently invested in 150 baby Bibles to be a part of the outreach of Rachel House here in the Northland. Rachel House is a ministry to women seeking crisis pregnancy counseling. We're a partner. We support them monthly. But they had a need. They have a program. We'll hear more about that in the weeks to come. But they have a program, and they want to mentor and span the distance between these women and their families and their potentially children who will be spared and born with the Word of God. You realize we as a church, due to your faithful giving, we've had the opportunity to buy a year's supply of these baby Bibles. Why? Why? Because the invitation is to all people. The invitation is to anyone, no matter what they've done, no matter what their circumstances are, no matter how how foolish they may be, no matter how good they may appear, no matter how sinful they are, and no matter how religious they may think, God's Word is the power to span the distance between God and sinners like us. And so a year's supply, a little over $1,000, money well spent, Amen. The Bible you're holding right now in your hands, whether it's a pew Bible, whether it's a digital Bible, or one with a designer cover, it doesn't matter. It could be one that you got from the Gideons at the last hotel stay. As long as it's one of the many reliable, accurate translations of the original words that God spoke through His apostles and prophets, you have in your hands this morning the very power of God to bridge the gap between heaven and earth. In your Bible, you hold, in the Bible we teach from this pulpit, God comes near to sinners like us to save them. When you read the Bible, when you sit under the teaching of the Bible or the preaching of God's Word, God is coming down and He's coming near to you so that He could be found by you. So when Isaiah says, 
seek the Lord while he may be found. He doesn't mean that God is playing hide and seek. What he means is that through the word of God, God is coming near to you. God himself, listen, is as near as the rain that drops on your head or the snow that you find on the sleeve of a coat. God comes near like rain and like snow. And to seek him means we open our heart to him through the word. We spend time with him through the word. We live with him according to the word. And whatever he says and wherever he leads, we follow him through the word. Now, there's a second reason that God's word is so powerful, and it's this. The reason God spans the distance between him and us is because God's word is the seed of eternal life. It's the seed of eternal life. Did you catch the the word picture in verses 10 and 11? We're kind of in a semi-drought, so this is kind of a, a good reminder. For as the rain comes down, as the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but they water the earth, and then look. There's five things in these, in, these, in these two short verses. There's five things that rain does, rain and snow. They water the earth. They make it bring forth life. They make it sprout. They give seed to the sower, and they give bread to the eater. Now, in the same way, God's Word does these same five amazing things. God's Word is life-giving water to dry, to, 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 to give thirst or to satisfy our thirst and to wet our dry souls. God's word is the seed that brings forth life in our hearts. God's word makes eternal life to sprout in our hearts when it's united with faith and repentance. God's word is the seed of life. We're to sow with abandon among lost people, and God's word is the bread of life that we are to eat in order to grow. So God's word spans the distance between God and us, to save us and to grow us. Look again at verses 2 and 3 of Isaiah 55. Look again at verses 2 and 3. Listen carefully to me, God says. Eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear, come to me and hear, and your soul shall live. You see in these these verses, we see that we're to be hearers of God's word. And we need to seek to, li- to listen diligently and incline ourselves. We're to be eaters of God's word. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that goes forth from the mouth of God. But hearers are to become eaters, and eaters are to become sowers. That share the life-giving seed and the all. You can eat buffet of God's word with others who are thirsty and hungry. Maybe the reason we don't sow more is because we're not eating more. And maybe the reason we're not eating is because we've never really heard God speak to us through his word. Because if you have heard him, you will feed. And if you feed, you will sow because you have been satisfied and you want others to come to the all-you-can-eat buffet. You know, you find a good restaurant, what do you do? You don't wait for people to ask, what's the best restaurant you've eaten in the last week? When you eat at a good restaurant, what do you naturally and automatically do? Well, you keep coming. That's good, Frankie, you do. And you keep coming, and who do you bring next time you come? You bring family, you bring friends. You tell, I have just found the greatest place. 
Folks, if we're feeding, and if this is the seed of life, and it is satisfying our soul, and we are delighting in it, then this is what we need to be sharing and inviting people to hear. Uh, turn your Bibles, 1 Peter 1. 1 Peter 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 23, verse, and verses that follow. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. You see, sowing and eating, eating and sowing is never separated in the Bible. It just isn't. We separate it. We separate hearing from eating, eating from sowing, but God sees it all in one process. Look at 1 Peter 1, 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. And now he's going to quote our favorite prophet of the month, Isaiah. All flesh is like grass, and all its glory is like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. The word of God is that life-giving, powerful seed that gives us life, and it gives us abiding, lasting life. But notice, it goes right on to chapter 2. Look on in the passage. So, put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy, all slander, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. I fear sometimes we're trying to motivate people to feed on God's word who have no spiritual life yet in them. I fear sometimes that we're trying to motivate people to have a delight and a desire for God's word before God has actually put a delight and a desire in their heart. You see, if the seed of life is in us, then that life is sprouting out. Now, don't get the idea. Uh, For the last 34 years, I haven't been consistent in reading the Bible, but I'll tell you what's been consistent, that deep abiding desire. And when I'm out of it, I'm starved. My soul is starved. And when I'm in it, my soul is satisfied. And that seed of life drives me back to confess my laziness, to confess my, my, my lack of discipline, and to devour this free buffet. You see, God's word is too powerful to resist in the life of a born-again believer. If you've been born again by the seed of life, then you'll have a desire, a longing, and a delight to be in the word of God. You'll want to hunger after it like a baby after newborn milk, of a mother's milk. You'll just, I got to have it. I got to have it. You newborn babes, ah, I got to have it. They just want it. It's easy to take God's word for granted, though, isn't it? It's easy. It's easy to forget to let your soul delight yourself in its abundance. So I've got a short video I want you to see. And as you watch this video of rural Chinese believers receiving their very own Bibles in their very own language for the very own first time, I want you to remember why it is that we sow and how it is we ought to delight. Take a look at this. Thank 
改天是我们刚需要的。当我看到这本书，我就看到了那些帮助我们的弟兄姊妹，他们的血和力倒出来的。这是我们教会这个时候最需要的，真是我们最需要的书。Powerful stuff, powerful stuff. I got some pastor friends that are working on the translation of the Chinese, but do we really need to have it translated? The emotions are there. Just and and, and they're so excited, held it to their face, kissed it, touched it, and then it got real quiet because they opened it up and they began to feed, feed on that which they hadn't had. God's word's too powerful to resist. It spans the distance from heaven to earth, and it spans it with a seed of eternal life that can save our souls. And thirdly, God's word is sovereign in fulfilling his purposes. God's word is sovereign in fulfilling his purposes. The reason that Isaiah and the reason that God has likened the word to rain and snow is so that we could see this very clear Verse in verse eleven. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth; it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. The sovereign, life-giving power of the Word of God is what guarantees everything that's promised in this chapter. Listen to me. None of the invitation will will happen. If God's word did not undergird it, it guarantees that the span between heaven and earth will not fall and collapse as we walk from our sins to Jesus. It guarantees that the covenant in verse three will be an eternal covenant that Jesus accomplished through the blood that Zach sang about. It guarantees that the nations of verse five will come when missionaries like Roger and Lynn call out. It guarantees in verse seven that the pardon will be abundant and overflowing for anyone that will come to the Lord. My word shall accomplish that which I purpose and prosper in the thing for which I sent it. You see, the invitation is an offer too good to refuse and too urgent to delay, because it's an offer that's too powerful to resist. Do you realize the power of the spoken word? In the beginning, God said, "Let there be," and there was. Go all the way through that. God creates something out of nothing. We come to God with nothing that He approves of, nothing that He is acceptable to Him. Even the best religious day we had, the, the the days that we helped old ladies across the street, the days that we didn't kick the dog, they're not enough. And we come to Him, and He looks at our dry, empty, barren souls, and He says, "Let there be life," and there is life. There's eternal life. God penetrates where no surgeon can go. 
In Hebrews, the Word of God is sharper and active than any sword, and it pierces, and it gets into the hearts of people. Don't you just wish sometimes you could just get inside? You know, you want to shake people. What you're really, when you, when you want to just shake people, you know, would you just straighten up? Now, come on. You know, maybe a kid, maybe your spouse. Don't look at them right now. When we shake people, what we're really frustrated, the reason we do that, and it can become violent and abusive, it's because we want to get in there and we want to change them. And the reality is, we don't have that kind of power. We don't have that kind of ability. Only the Word of God can penetrate. God's Word changes hearts like nothing else can. God is sovereign in accomplishing His saving purposes. It's too powerful to resist. Why? Or, or, or that's good because Satan can't stop it. Satan has tried to stop. He twists it. He denies it. And Satan can't stop it. The world has tried to squelch it. If I had the time today, we could do 10 weeks of study of how throughout history the world has tried to squelch, burn, eradicate the Word of God, and yet it's still the best-selling book in the world. And our sin tries to overcome the seed of life that God puts in us, and it is greater. Why is the Word of God so sovereign? Why is it so powerful? Because the one who spoke it, is sovereign. Listen to Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all of my pleasure. You know why the Word of God is sovereign? Because God is sovereign. There's no one greater than our God, and there's no one like our God. Amen? But that raises the difficult question. And the question is this, and perhaps it's one you've been thinking about as you've been listening to this message. If God's Word is too powerful to resist, then why do so many people still seem to resist it? Maybe you have been sharing God's Word. You ever had that frustration, sharing God's Word repeatedly, repeatedly, and they just don't change? And you, you're praying for someone, and you've invited them and invited them, and somehow the Word that you are sharing from God just doesn't seem to penetrate. And if you're not careful, and if you don't struggle with this question, you'll begin to think, you know what? Sin, Satan, and the world, it is stronger than the Word of God. Why share it if so many seem to resist it? Well, I'm going to try to tread where I should not have tread, but it's where the Bible takes us. You see, the Bible answers hard questions, but not always in the easy way that we would prefer. So what's the answer to this? I will just lightly touch on it, but I will touch on it with Scripture. Number one, God's purpose is to soften some and harden others. God's purpose is to soften some and to harden others. God's purpose is to save, but God's purpose is also to judge. See, it's easy to come to Isaiah 55 and forget that there was 54 other chapters before it, and there are chapters after it. And so, yes, God saves, but God also judges. Yes, God softens hearts, but God also hardens the hearts of those who refuse His invitation. You see, God is not just a God of salvation, but He's also a God of judgment. 
His word is powerful to soften the hearts of those who repent, and it will harden the hearts of those who reject. This is why the invitation is too good to refuse, and it's too urgent to delay. Because if you do refuse it today, if you do delay it too long, then all that's left for you is to face the severe wrath of God. That's what happens. You see, God's purpose is not just to save, but it's also to judge, it's to soften and not harden. Look at Romans 9. I have it in your notes. Romans 9, 14. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. You see, Moses was trying to get him to forgive and and forgive on the basis of what Moses wanted. And God said, look, Moses, I'm sovereign in my purposes, and I will have mercy based on grace and not on your demands. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the Scripture says to Pharaoh, for this very purpose I raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then he has mercy on whomever he wills, and he hardens whomever he wills. You drop down in Romans. Listen to Romans 9, 22 through 24. What if God, desiring to show his wrath and to make known his power, has endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, in order to make known the riches of his glory for vessels of mercy, which he has prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he has called through the invitation, not from the Jews only, but also from the Gentiles. Here's the point. Even in those who choose to reject God's gracious invitation and try to resist the power of his word, his word is too powerful to resist in the end, and on the last day, his word will have the final say. You see, as you look out and you say, well, they're resisting the word. The word is weak. They are stronger. No, they're, re- they're rejecting of the word. God is still powerfully fulfilling his will, and he will harden those who reject, and he will soften those who come to him and call on him and seek him while he may be found. Well, that's the first reason why it seems like many are resisting, but in the end, they will not resist. God's purpose is to save, but it's also to judge. Now, I admit that what I just said is hard to understand, and I don't fully understand it, but I read it to you from the Word of God, and it's there. So that leads me to the second reason. Because sometimes it just doesn't seem fair the way God saves and the way God judges, but you've got to remember verses 8 and 9. Look at the second reason. God's ways are what? Higher than our ways. You see, in 8 and 9, our, my, the way I think it ought to be done is very different than the way God thinks it ought to be done. That's why I've got to read His Word. So many times I come to God's Word thinking, well, I understand what God's doing, and then I read and it's like, wow, He's doing the opposite of what I think He ought to do. I thought I had God figured out, and every time I go to the Word, I figure out I don't have, I don't have anything figured out. I just need to submit to the teaching of the Word. And so after Paul, in Romans 9, lays out how all people have fallen short from the glory of God and His perfection, and how all people are deserving of eternal judgment, 
God in his sovereign grace is merciful to save some. And here's what, how, God in, uh, how Paul ends praising God. He ends with a song of praise in Romans 11, 33 through 36. Look along as I read. Oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. And then he quotes Isaiah. See, this is all, this is all connected. For who has known the mind of the Lord and who has been his counselor? See, who's given God the better plan? Who's given God the better idea? Who said, God, you didn't quite get this one right. You should have consulted me. And you know what he says? He says, no one can do that. Who has given God a gift that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. You see, to our way of thinking... And from our human perspective, it seems like this world is out of control, right? It seems that people are not only able to resist God's word, but it's getting easier to resist it. Would you agree? It seems like the word of God is powerless at times to do what he has promised. But remember, his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And he is going to spend all of eternity showing us that every I got dotted and every T got crossed. And not one promise has failed. And not one judgment was unjust. And so that brings me to the third uh, point that I want to make about it seems like people resist. God's sovereign purposes still require effort. You say, Chris, those first two points are a little, you know, God's a little too big, a little too sovereign. Sounds like uh, God does everything. I don't have anything to do. Well, notice God's sovereign purposes still require effort. I love what he says. He says, God's sovereign like the rain. And the rain comes and gives seed to the sower and bread to the eater. I love it. The eater. When's the last time you said, hey, I'm an eater? You know, I'm an eater. You're a sower. I'm an eater. Well, that would be true because I couldn't grow anything. But that's not the point. He's, he, he's worded it that way to remind us that while the rain gives the power and the life, sowers still have to sow and eaters still have to eat. We're not the first to need to be reminded of that. The church in Corinth needed to be reminded by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 3. Paul plants, or Paul plants the seed of the Word of God. Apollos waters the seed of the Word of God. And who gives the increase? God gives the increase. See, God's sovereign over this thing. God's Word is too powerful to resist. But in His mercy in, 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 in a plan that I would have rejected. He uses weak, powerless, foolish, sinful people like you and I to accomplish his sovereign saving purposes. Is that not freakish? Is that not like our God and so unlike us? You see, Jimmy Stewart, one of my favorite guys, in the movie Shenandoah, Got this all wrong. It's a famous prayer. You can find it on the internet. Here's what he prayed. Got his family gathered around the table. Jimmy Stewart's about to pray. 
say grace over the meal. Here's what he says. Lord, we cleared this land. We plowed it, sowed it, and harvested it. We cooked the harvest. It wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be eating it if we hadn't done it all ourselves. We worked dog-boned hard for every crumb and morsel. But we thank you just the same anyway, Lord, for this food we're about to eat. Amen. Now, that's exactly how we are. God, we're doing quite fine down here. And by the way, we'll thank you anyway. You see, even the sower and the eater needs to stop and understand that if it wasn't for the Word of God, I couldn't accomplish anything. So it does require effort. God's Word is too powerful to resist, but it still uses weak, imperfect people like us to sow the Word among the lost and to prepare the meal for the saved. Here's the fourth thing I want you to remember when people resist the Word of God. God's saving power still requires a response. Even though God's Word will accomplish what He determines, and even though He determines to save some and to leave in judgment those who reject Him, it still requires the response of the soil of a receptive heart. You don't need to turn there, but in Mark 4, Jesus gave this wonderful parable of the seed and the sower, and He said this, Jesus was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. Luke makes it this, says it this way. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bear fruit with patience. Now, I don't, you can go back through Isaiah. There's all sorts of responses that are expected to the invitation. Come, buy, eat, listen, delight, incline. Last week, Pastor Bruce laid it out. Seek, call, forsake, return. There's a reason why this series is called The Invitation. Because we need to respond. We need to respond, and God will give you the ability to place your faith in Him. But that brings me to the fifth, and perhaps equally important is everything else. And here's the fifth reason that it seems like God's Word is resisted, and it's this. God's purposes often take time and require the long-suffering of a farmer. I love this in James. Be patient, therefore, brothers. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. You also be patient. As an example of suffering and patience, I mean, are you getting the theme, patience? Brothers, take the prophets, like Isaiah, who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. Listen, listen. That person you've been sharing the word of God with, and they are so resistant, and they seem that the more you share, the harder they get. That loved one that you have been praying to come to Christ, that person who professed Christ as a child but is run from God and is prodigal in the pig pen, that you're asking God to return 
and you're thinking their sin is greater than the Word of God because I'm just not seeing change, God. Oh, it'll accomplish what you purpose, but it doesn't seem to be working for me. Here's what the Bible is saying to you this morning. Have the patience of a farmer and just keep sowing, keep eating. Don't you dare forget to feed on the Word of God for you as you long for others to be saved. Oh, it's so easy, parents, to run after our kids or run after those who are prodigal. But remember, the father stayed at home with one eye on the horizon, but he stayed feeding, sowing, working. So the invitation this morning, it's too powerful to resist, and it's really simple. Receive the word of life this morning. Trust in Jesus as your Savior. Give him your sins. Receive the gospel. Jesus died for you. He rose from the dead to prove that his sacrifice was sufficient. He reigns on high to give you the seed of life and to span the distance this morning. You can be saved. You simply have to trust in Jesus. But also, let me invite you this morning to be an eater of the bread of life. Could I challenge you to delight yourself in God's word on a daily basis? In your bulletin this morning, there's a little thin insert, and I meant to bring one up, and I'm sorry I didn't. And it's about the U-verse Bible app. Every bulletin has one. You know what? Those people in China, hungering for their Bible, their own Bible, in their own language for the very first time. And we sit here in abundance. And you can go to the internet and get that free app, and you can have more reading plans, more versions, than most believers in the whole world have this morning. Delight yourself in the all-you-can-eat buffet of God's grace. And then, let me challenge you this morning. The invitation is this. Be a sower of the seed of life. Would you go forth this morning, would you go forth this week and share the goodness of God's word with someone? When's the last time you shared with anyone what God is teaching you through his word? When's the last time you actually invited someone to come and study the Bible with you at this amazing church? When's the last time you asked a coworker or friend or neighbor Where are you on your spiritual journey? Do you know God has an owner's manual for life? Could I share with you what God is teaching me? I pray. No, I trust that this invitation is too powerful to resist. Why? Because it comes from the word of God. With your heads bowed, and as the praise team comes... The invitation is there. The Word of God is powerful. We're without excuse. So let this truly be a response time. I'm here. Others are here. If you want to come and get prayer, if you want to come and get encouragement. But let's not handle the Word of God. Let's not hear the Word of God this morning and not make a decision to trust Him as our Savior, to feed on His Word, and most of all, to share it with others. As they sing, you do business with God.